put my first slide up. Before I get into the talk today, there's some really great uh, news that I just want to share with you. Uh, we're part of the... Vi- yeah, please do continue to pass those around while those are going around. We're part of the Vineyard uh, Movement, Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. And this week, uh, it was announced that we're going to have some brand new national directors. Um, those of you who know John and Ellie Mumford, they were here about a year ago. Uh, John and Ellie have been leading the Vineyard Movement in the UK for about... 20-something years. And um, this week they announced at our national conference that as of September this year, they'll be handing the leadership of the movement over to this couple, John and Debbie Wright. Um, And they will be the new national directors. John and Debbie um, aren't as well known across the Vineyard family because uh, unlike John and Eleanor, they don't get to travel around so much. They lead the Vineyard Church at Trent in Nottingham, Trent Vineyard. And they're going to be doing about 50% of their time uh, continuing to lead the church. It's a fantastic, fantastic church. Um, and about 50% of their time as national directors. So we are really, really thrilled and excited about this news. And if you want to find out more, that's just um, a grab from the front page of the Vineyard Church's website. There's quite a few articles on there. There are some interviews uh, with John and Debbie. So help you get up to speed um, and get to know them. And I'd encourage you to do that over the next few weeks uh, and months. It's just, fan- it's just wonderful news. Um, I won't go into any more detail than that, um, um, but for those of you who uh, know either John and Debbie or John and Eleanor, you'll know this is, this is a really healthy and well-done transition. You know, that's what's going on here, and, that, and that's just fantastic. So we're praying for John and Debbie, uh, and we're excited about that, what's going on in our movement. So you should have been handed out some, diff- some various different sheets. There are two sheets coming out today. One is uh, just a, a sheet of the notes from this morning. It's got a little green circle on the front. And the other is, um, well, actually, we won't bring these out yet, but I'll, um, we'll have these available a little bit later. Also, put your hand up if you have missed. No, so that's not a very good way of doing it, is it? <laughs> I don't want to make you feel guilty. If you've missed the last two weeks and you haven't yet got one of these, we do have some here. Um, if you haven't got one to take home, this is a sort of overarching thing. So perhaps if, you just, if you'd like one of these or if you've left yours at home and you'd like to borrow one, there are some at the back on the table, and these guys, just stick your hand in the air, and um, Joe and Paul will. I'm not going to make you feel bad about that. Um, so by way of just a quick recap, we are in the middle of a series. We're in, this is our third week of a series called um, Knowing, and our, Knowing Our Authority and Calling. And uh, the, the teaching is, is, is fantastic teaching. Uh, it's quite, there's quite a lot of it, which is why we've been producing notes. And if you've missed either of last week or the week before sessions, um, you can pick up the notes uh, from the table at the back, or you can download them. You can download the talks on our website, um, and also there's an attachment to the talks, which will be able to give you the slides and uh, various these notes and various documents. So do catch up if you uh, have missed out on this. But it's a fantastic series, and Brian spoke last week um, really just to, to introduce the whole concept of the fact that we do live in two different realms. Uh, That's not the right one. We live in two different realms. We live in the natural realm, which we often talk about and obviously is right in front of us. And we also live in the spiritual or heavenly realm. And sometimes we don't talk about that. And there is a natural crossover between the two. And Brian introduced all of that last week. He, He was introduced us to the concept that actually when stuff happens, we don't always see it first time. We don't always realize what's going on in the spiritual realm. Brian encouraged us 
to ask this question of circumstances that we found ourselves in. The question is, is this just happening? Do you remember this? Those of you who are here, is this just happening? Is my illness that I've got just happening or is there something else going on? Are these circumstances that I'm in just happening or is there something else going on? And for some of us, this kind of teaching and this kind of thinking does represent a significant shift in our worldview. It's quite easy to go through life just living in the natural realm and not really paying much attention to the spiritual realm. But Jesus' ministry was as powerful, if not more powerful, in the spiritual realm, just as powerful as in the natural realm. He, his, his goal when he was on earth was to conquer and overcome and confront the powers of darkness. He was engaged not, in a, not just in a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. And Brian read to us from Ephesians chapter 6, which says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and rulers of this present Age. Now, I just want to tell you that this teaching, that, that the stuff I'm talking about today and the stuff that we've learned in the last couple of weeks, for me personally, this has been massively transformational. This has changed my life. I'm not trying to hype it up. You know me. I'm not a hype man. This has changed my life. I've learned this stuff since I came here. Um, God has very graciously um, put some people in, my, in front of me to teach me these kinds of things. This has changed my life, and I really believe that it will change all of ours. We, as Jesus' followers, are called to do his ministry. So the things that he was engaged in, confronting the powers of darkness, okay, and uh, engaging in spiritual battles, we, we are called to do the same thing. When we do Jesus' ministry, we are called to engage in the spiritual battle, overcome the powers of darkness that we see all around us. How do we do that? Fundamentally, I'm going to cover two areas today. It's called understanding and dealing with the enemy's schemes. So we're going to first try and understand them, and then we're going to look at dealing with them. Now, all good, all good soldiers will tell you that it's very important to know your enemy, to understand your enemy. What is our enemy like? The Bible says that the thief, calls him a thief, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Only to steal, kill and destroy. And Jesus, in John 10, 10, this is on your sheet, compares himself with the enemy and says, I've come that, you've got, that you may have life. But the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And also there's another verse there from 2 Corinthians. Um, it's in order that Satan might, might not outwit us. We are not unaware of his schemes. He is a schemer. He is a schemer. God's heart is to rescue and restore people. The enemy's preoccupation is to trash that as much as he can, to bring devastation to the lives of God's people. That word schemes, it means plans or thoughts or devices. He spends his time, he is preoccupied with thinking about ways to bring us down, ways to limit our effectiveness and ultimately destroy us in order that he can discredit us and discredit God. But the brilliant news is that God is able to reveal those schemes to us. And he's given us tools to restore what the enemy steals and damages. And this whole thing is based on the enemy's schemes. And how that starts is how he gets access into our lives is with kind of like getting a bit of foot in the door. Now we're going to use this word foothold. And the Greek word for this is, a, is topos. 
Okay, and it just it says there in um, in in the uh, A there. Do not Ephesians four. Do not give the devil a foothold. What do we mean by that? Have you ever had a call on your phone that goes something like this? Hello, how are you? I go. I'm fine, thank you. Oh, good. I'm just ringing about. I go. Hang on a minute. Do I know you? No, no, you don't know me. Okay. Are you ringing to sell me something? No, 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 I'm not ringing. To, well, well, maybe I, you know. Have you ever had those sales calls? You know, they don't say, hello, this is such and such. They just say, hi, how are you? Like, where, has that ever happened to anybody? I, I, my answer is, sorry, who are you? <laughs> you know, it really, really bugs me. <laughs> and, but people do that because it's a way of getting a foot in the door. It's a way of getting, a, getting you know, metaphorically jamming your foot in the door. You know, because if they can get in one step, then they can get in another step. Has that ever happened to you? It happens to me all the time. Nowadays, it comes by text instead. You know, how, or, or automatic phone call. Have you had those ones too? Oh, they really, really bug me. Um, you know, hi, I'm just ringing about your PPI claim. You know, <laughs> no, I don't have one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, don't give the devil a foothold. This word, foothold, it means a place or a piece of ground, an area of territory or an opportunity. It can be translated all those things. So imagine an invading army. Now, I'm no military historian, but I do know a little bit about how we won the Second World War. Okay? And, oh, hang on a minute. I've gone through that. We, this is just a recap from last time. Let's move on with all of that. Your enemy. Here we go. It's a place in our lives where God's enemy has access or jurisdiction because of our sin, because of our wrong thinking, or because of the way that we react to sin. Have a look at this map. It's a bit faint. I found this. This is a map of the Allied invasion on the 6th of June, 1944. This is the plans. All the blue lines are the various different forces that were coming across the channel. And all of the red bits here are basically uh, German positions and, and things. So they're all coming in. And then the next map sort of focuses right down in on that area where they all landed in Normandy. Okay? And it's actually called the beachhead, the Normandy beachhead. And as you know, what happened is the Allies had this big pursuit and they got themselves into France. They got themselves into Normandy and established a beachhead, which is effectively another word that means the same sort of thing as a foothold. Okay, they got themselves a foot in the door of Germany and then were able to move on out of there. This is called the breakout. You can find all these on Wikipedia, by the way, if you look. Okay, the breakout. So having established themselves in one place, they then started to break out from there. And obviously, you know the rest of the story. The battle was fought and the war was won. So a foothold is like a place where an opposing army establishes themselves a kind of base. And a foothold in spiritual terms is a place where the enemy finds a landing pad in our lives so that he can, from there, then start to establish some sort of base, some sort of, some sort of opposition. Okay? Um, Genesis 4 says, uh, sin talks about sin crouching at the door. Crouching at the door. It, des it desires, it, sin, he says, desires to have mastery. It desires to have you, but you can master it. 
And then there's just the, the sort of opposite. Jesus in John 14, the devil has nothing in me. He has no hold over me. And Jesus was able to say that because he lived in complete obedience to his father. So how does this affect us? Well, the Bible distinguishes um, sort of when it talks about us, it talks about us as body, soul, and spirit. This is one way of defining, and it's a biblical way. And I, again, I haven't got time to go into the details of that. There's a couple of verses there on your sheet, Hebrews 4 and 1 Thessalonians. Um, in fact, the Hebrews 4 says this. It says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The Bible talks about us having, having basically three parts to us, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Well, the body is, uh, is basically, you know, obviously, it's the, it's the physical body that we live in. It avoids discomfort, usually. It likes to sleep. It easily forms bad habits and hates to be deprived of food. Um, the body that we own and that we have can be vulnerable to sickness, and it can also be vulnerable to spiritual or demonic affliction. Sometimes our poor health might be as a result of natural choices or natural causes that we've made, but sometimes it may be explained by some other, some other source, some other demonic source. That it's, it's possible for that to, for that to happen. Um, the soul, on the other hand, kind of our mind, our emotion, our will, the sort of internal part of our body, I suppose. Soul is a religious term, but it includes our mind from where we derive all of our thoughts. There's a great quote on the sheet that I've reproduced for you here. It says, thoughts become actions, actions become habits, habits become character, and character determines your fate. As you think, so you become. That's a kind of, that's a generalized quote. That's something that's, when I looked up, in the, looked that up on the internet, they weren't able to attribute where it came from originally. But it's a, it's a sort of basic fundamental truth that how we think eventually will determine how we are and what happens to us. And so our mind is vulnerable also to demonic assault. Our mind and our emotions and our will can all be perpetrated, penetrated. It's possible. See, our soul, our mind, our will is in constant interaction with our body. The the things are linked together. So, for example, your physical body lets you know when, when you're hungry and craves certain tastes, sends signals to the brain. The mind tries to work out what's going on. What can we do about that? What's the solution to answer that? A more developed mind, it says here, can overcome the immediate desires of the body in favor of long-term health. And this is true not just for, for hunger and food, but for all aspects of the way we live and how we respond to things. So our mind and our will is also potentially there as a place, a foothold where the enemy could land. And then we've got our spirit. Or the Bible uses also the term spiritual body. You can look in 1 Corinthians 15. So just as surely as we have a physical body that lives in a physical world, we also have a spiritual body that lives in the spiritual world. And while we're physically alive in this world, while our body and our soul and our spirit are all connected Spirit has an extreme, just like our physical body resembles our parents, so our spiritual body resembles our physical body a little bit. It has an extremely heightened sense of touch or smell or taste or hearing. We feel things sometimes very deeply in our spirits at the deepest level, don't we? 
It's our capacity to know God. It's our capacity to relate to God and communicate with him on a really deep level. And the Bible says that when we choose to follow Jesus, it's our spirit that changes. It's our spirit that was dead and now comes alive. It's our spirit that connects with God. And so for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, those of us who have made the decision to say, yes, I'm in, I will follow you, then our spirit is alive and it's secure and it's in Christ and it's impenetrable to demonic influence. But what am I saying? I'm saying that it's possible for the devil to have a go at us and it may affect our physical body and it may affect our mind, but if we're saved, the Bible says he can't get there. He can't get into the spirit. We can be influenced by the devil, but the Bible doesn't use the word possessed. For those who believe in Jesus, we can't be possessed by a demon. We can be afflicted by one. We can be influenced by one, but not possessed. Why does the enemy even look to do that? Well, for a number of reasons, and I've kind of outlined them on the bottom of your sheet there, to take captive the believer in a specific area so as to hinder or limit us from living out our fullness of our identity. Maybe to torment us, to pressurize us, to harm us, to tempt us and cause disobedience in our life, to cause us to sin. And I love this last one, to rob the warrior. We are warriors, remember, of authority and power, of discernment and of energy. So that's our enemy. Funny, it's all gone quiet and quite subdued. We don't, we don't have to spend too long thinking about him, but it's important to know what he's planning. But the really good deal is, we, the really good news is that we can deal with this. We really can deal with this. I'm not stopping there. There's a whole bunch of stuff to come. All right. And in repentance, that word repentance sounds quite old-fashioned, sounds quite sort of churchy. But actually, if we can understand what that really means, then it will, it's an amazing tool, an amazing tool, a gift that God gives us for bringing areas of our life back under Jesus' rule, bringing the legal right to that area back under God and not giving anything away to Satan. And there's that great verse, James 4. I read the other verse. I read verse 8 this morning. This is the verse before. It says, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then it goes on to say, and draw near to him and he will draw near to you. So it is possible. And let me just say this as well. God hates sin, but he does not hate sinners. Okay? He hates sin because sin hurts us, because our sin kind of separates us from him. It takes us away from him. But he does not hate us doesn't hate us. If you think that God hates you, that's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy. You know, this happens with our kids sometimes. They'll do something naughty or wrong. We may even react emotionally sometimes because not perfect parents. <laughs> well, I say we, me, really, mainly. Um, Joe jo is, of course, the perfect parent. But, um, um, it, you know, I can absolutely hate what my child has done 
but it never ever stops me loving him or her. Their actions sometimes make me feel alienated from them. How can you, I don't even want to be with you right now. Have you ever felt that? I'm so offended by what you've just said or done. Just just, just give me a few minutes, I can't deal with this. That's a human reaction, but that's not, I hate you, I don't love you. I never do that to my kid. God never, ever does that to us. So the, the, the sin is important to God because he wants us to be free of it. And he's not up there with a big tick list. He loves us. And to be honest, if we ever think that this side of heaven, we're going to sort ourselves out and be completely rid of sin and deal with all that. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He's not looking for us to match up. He's not looking for us to be perfect. He's just looking for us to walk with him and be close to him. And that's really good news. And so the significance of repentance, as I said, is that when we repent, we bring areas of our lives back under his rule. And we want to just use this tool, and you may have heard this before, um, but we, we're going to just talk about something called the five R's. Okay? And it's kind of laid out for you on the sheet there. But I also have these wonderful um, little flyers. And um, at the end of this morning, you're welcome to come and get one of these. We'll pass these around. Um, because what these do is, this is kind of like a little take home, and it takes you through some of the Bible verses in a bit more detail than I'm going to be able to do now. Okay? This is a wonderful thing. I, honestly, when I learned this, I have it written in the notes on my phone. I, I, I needed that for about a year before I could remember what these jolly five words were, you know? Um, and now, even now, I need to pray the five R's. I need to pray the five R's. Um, Ellie, you were going to come and say something. Never talked about it, did we? No, never mind. That's fine. Um, the five R's. Five simple biblical steps that enable us to bring enemy influence ground back under God's rule and enable a divine transaction to take place. Just look at this. There is a divine transaction that takes place when we come to Christ. We pray a prayer. Once is enough. We repent of our sin. We invite him to come and something happens. We change forever. There's also a divine transaction that happens every time we repent. We pray the five R's. We pray a prayer many times over of repentance and declaration. And every time something happens. So let's get this right. This is not coming back to Jesus for the first time. This is not praying the prayer again. That's done. We have changed. As we were saying, to the, we're doing a Freedom in Christ course with the youth at the minute. And we were talking to them about that change that happens. The, the, the fact that we've completely changed from the old person to the new person. And we use the analogy of a caterpillar and a butterfly. You cannot go backwards. It isn't possible for a butterfly to become a caterpillar again. We've changed. However, we are praying prayers of repentance which keep us close to God and keep making sure that whatever's going on in our lives, whatever footholds or ground the enemy is trying to take, we're making sure that we're just dealing with that. And so quickly through those five R's, first of all, we recognize. First of all, we recognize. We recognize our sin. We recognize that we have allowed the enemy to occupy some ground in our lives. It's really important that we do that, that we recognize it and that we own it for ourselves. 
It's fundamental that we allow God to convict us of our sin. How do we react? These are some questions that just kind of, just to ponder really, how do we react if someone comes and speaks to us about sin? Because sometimes, you know, we can just be praying and God can speak to us and we just become aware that, you know what, I've messed up here. I mean, personally, I find it really hard to be in a worship time now without, if there's something going on that I haven't really addressed with God, you know, every time I kind of come close to him, I just, there's just something that goes on in my mind. It's not, it's not guilt. It's just the conviction of the spirit. If it becomes guilt, then that's when I turn to the enemy and say, hey, stuff off. It's nothing to do with that. That's why, that's why this stuff's so important. But sometimes the way that God chooses to help us understand what we've done is to have someone else come and share that with us. How do we react when that happens? How do we react when somebody says, hey, you know that thing you did over there? Not very good, is it? It's not very godly. Who has the permission to tell us those things anyway? I mean, with those that we walk closely with, have we ever said something like, you know what, I just really want to give you permission to speak into my life. If you see something going on in me that causes you to question or concern, I just want to give you permission and freedom to talk to me about that. Find the right time, please. But... Talk to me about that. You know? Choose your moment. And what if that person does it and they do it clumsily or they do it with some sort of judgmental attitude? You know, even then. You know, sometimes people come and they tell us what we've done wrong and it's not very nice and they don't say it very nicely. And we've got a choice to make then, haven't we? Is even 1% of what they're saying possibly true? Even though I don't like the way they did it, even though I feel upset about that, is there anything in what they're saying that could be true, that I could take on board? It's all about our attitude. How do we act when someone sins against us? What's our reaction? What's our reaction there when they cause us offense? Do we think, well, he's been nasty to me, so therefore it's okay for me to go and do something else? I heard a Christian leader once talk about um, a great guy from the Vineyard Church in the South Africa talk about um, something called the entitlement trap. Okay, about how we go, oh, well, they've been nasty to me, so I'm entitled to eat the extra Mars bar, or I don't have to worry too much about it today. Or I've worked very hard as a leader, or I've led my house group, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm entitled to sit and watch half an hour of rubbish telly, or, or whatever it is that may or may not be the right thing, that may not be helpful for us. So there's something about that. There's something about accepting full responsibility. When we turn to God and we recognize our sin, we're not trying to blame the past. We're not trying to blame our parents or society or the devil. The route to maturity doesn't come through blame. It comes through taking responsibility and receiving forgiveness. And we learn to call our sin by what it really is. It's not frustration. It's anger. Let's just say that and be real about it. I told the youth this, so I better tell you sometime. I better tell you guys. Um, we were talking about the difference between saints and ourselves. And I wrote this thing down that I thought that saints were people who were patient and kind and encouraging. And, uh, and then I said, on the other side where it said, write down who you are, I wrote, uh, I am somebody who tries to be patient. <laughs> kind and encouraging. And on the saint side, I wrote, when, when 
when they get stressed, saints are people who, who just stay calm and, uh, and connect with God. And when I get stressed, I try to do that. Sometimes, if I'm honest, when I get stressed, I start, I start shouting and even occasionally swearing. And my, um, my daughter, who's in the group, said, oh, I didn't think you'd tell anybody that. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, so I'd better tell everybody. Sometimes, you know, it happens. Maybe it happens to you. Maybe it's just me. But so let's just call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. And let's adopt an attitude of humility. And that's about recognizing. It doesn't take long, but it needs a big, quite a big attitude change sometimes. God, I recognize I've done this. This was bad. And then it comes to, we come to repentance. And repentance breaks the enemy's hold on us. Now, just let me say this. There's loads we could say about repentance. It's an amazing tool. It's all about turning back to God. It's all the stuff I've already said. It's actually a lifestyle. It's something we need to be doing every day, perhaps several times a day. Colossians 2.13, I've got it. The reference is there. Let me read it to you. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us. And that stood opposed to us. And he took it away and nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over them on the cross. That's Colossians 2, 13 to 15. The repentance is not only about the relationship between us and God. It's actually a legal transaction where we surrender our lives back to God and the enemy loses the right to have his foothold, disarms him, it loosens his grip. Now, just let me say this. Sometimes the reason that we sin is because stuff has happened to us. Others have sinned against us. For some of us, that's a really big deal. You know, I know several people who, are, who, have, who have had horrendous backgrounds. And the reason, perhaps, some of the reason that we feel like we are like we are or where we are is because of what others have done to us. And I want to fully acknowledge that and also say that we are not responsible for other people's sin against us. We're really not. But we are responsible for how we respond. We are responsible for how we respond to that. And we are responsible for subsequent sins that may rise up in us as a result of how we feel about that stuff. Jesus is bigger than all of that. Bigger than all of that. So whatever has happened and wherever we're at, we can still take some responsibility before God for our actions. Our actions, not for other people's, but for ours. And the reason this works is because Jesus died on the cross and his blood paid the sacrifice for our sin. And because of that, the enemy has no hold over us. It's been done. It's done. That's what we celebrate at Easter. It's done. Therefore, we can overcome anything, any hold that he might have on us, any sense of being enslaved or trapped. 
any hold, any influence that he has on us can, we can break out of that. And repentance includes forgiving the injustices against us. Hard as that is, it's not always possible to do straight away. Sometimes we need to do some processing first. And sometimes we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and help us do that. But it is possible, it is possible to get to a place where we forgive people who have done some horrendous things to us. That's all part of repentance. And once we've repented, we receive. It's very simple. It doesn't take a lot. I find it really helpful to actually literally say these things out loud, to, re- to pray them out loud. I receive your forgiveness, and I receive your Holy Spirit, and I receive the empowering. And I find that, uh, uh, maybe it's just me, but I find that actually I, set, I feel a heart change at the point that I say that usually. That's where I feel things lifting off me. When I say, I acknowledge your forgiveness, I receive it. I'm not going to hold on to my pain anymore. I'm not going to hold on to my guilt anymore. I'm going to receive instead the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then this bit's really important too. We rebuke. It may have been our choice to sin. It may have been the thing that we did. But the enemy is there having an influence. And every time, every time it's worth saying, and by the way, Satan, you can go. You're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. It needs to be quick and simple, and it's based on the authority we have. We're in Christ. I'm a child of the king. You you have no place here. You have no place here to make me feel guilty. That's not on. I'm not having that. And as it says there, speaking out loud can help us engage. However, it also says the demons aren't deaf. We don't need to shout this stuff. Sometimes it helps us just to stand up and speak these things out. And then we need to replace. And this is so, so vital. It's not enough just to say sorry and then move on. It's really, really helpful to do this stuff. Go through this process. Replace. Because once an area has been brought under the lordship of Jesus, we need to replace our old patterns of thinking and our old patterns of behavior with the truth. And I don't know how many times I find myself praying the five R's every day, several times a day sometimes. And every time that happens, God's changing me as I choose to embrace the truth about who I am and who he's made me to be. Now, if you want to know what, if you don't know what the truth is, if you're struggling with that, well, what do I replace it with? Go back to last week and the week before and just look in here. There are all sorts of truths and statements from the Bible. Just read them. Just read them through. This is the truth. Week one, the Christian birth card. I am the light of the world and darkness cannot suppress it. Matthew 5. Just, just, it goes on. It goes on. The truth is there. Choose to acknowledge the truth. There's a thing in this week's. The five R's in, in sort of summary is, um, is in the sort of middle page of today's, of this tools booklet. And on the other side, we've reproduced something called the Father's Love Letter. I won't t- spend too much time explaining it now because we're almost out of time. But it's basically, again, it's just some truths. If you look this up on the internet, you can probably find there's an audio recording of this. There's a YouTube version, the Father's Love Letter. There's a website address there that you can have a look at. And again, it's just a wonderful way of allowing the truth to seep in. Allowing God's truth to come and take root and establish itself in our hearts. So it's really important that we do the divine transaction 
that we shake off our sin, that we deal with it, that we repent of it, and then that we replace it. We replace because then, then the enemy, if there's truth there, there's no space for the enemy's stuff to come in again. Does that make sense? Are you with me, guys? Fantastic. And actually, I lied because there's not five hours, there's six, because the end one is rejoice. Okay? Rejoice. Rejoice. Make a point. Now, I often don't feel like rejoicing when I'm praying this stuff. I feel like a, a bit toe rag, to be honest, usually when, I'm, when, I'm, when I start praying this stuff. But again, rejoice. Why do I rejoice? I rejoice because I have been set free. I rejoice because I'm a child of the King. I rejoice because I'm in Christ. I rejoice because I'm in the heavenly realms. You're forgetting to do all this stuff. There you go. Recognize, repent, receive forgiveness, rebuke, and replace. And here's what they really mean. In summary, to recognize means I see my sin. To repent means I say sorry to God. To receive means I receive his forgiveness. To rebuke means I take authority over Satan. And to replace means I commit to change. I commit to change and I acknowledge the truth. Um, this is an amazing tool that we can use. Some time ago, I had to deal with a whole bunch of pretty heavy stuff around my dad and my relationship with my dad. I felt really depressed, I felt burnt out, and I felt really fed up. This is before I came down to Winchester. And, um, and we were pr- I was praying with my friend about all this, and um, he had this picture. He said, it, it's... He said, now, again, I think I've said this with you before. I'm no gardener, but I'm led to believe that the garden hoe is an amazing tool. He said, they asked Alan Tishmarsh, if you could just have one, one tool, what would it be? He said, I'd have a hoe. Why, why is that, Alan? Well, because when weeds grow up, okay, when weeds grow up, basically, if you just keep the topsoil hoed, as in you keep turning it over, you keep turning it over, if you make that your regular pattern, and any weeds that grow up, well, they just get chopped off at the top. And uh, if you keep doing that, eventually that weed will die. You don't have to go digging up the whole garden sometimes just to find the root and dig it all out and disrupt everything, which is kind of where I thought I was at. I was like, I'm such a mess. You know, I just need to sort this issue, emotional issue out. And it was like God said, actually, you don't need to do that. You just need to keep turning the topsoil over. And for me, what that equates to is staying in God's presence, reading the Bible, worshipping him, and making sure that I deal with my sin. Making sure that I use a tool like the five R's regularly. And if I can keep doing that, it'll break the stuff. It'll deal with it. And when God wants to put his finger on something big or do something more dramatic, well, I'm ready for that. And that's fine. And and guys, we have people here. We have wonderful um, healing ministries here, Streams of Hope, Freedom in Christ, Sozo. We have wonderful people who can help us if we get really stuck in this stuff. But the truth is that all of us can do something about this right now. Right now. So can I just ask that we do that? We're going to do this in two minutes now, and then you can take, and then we're going to stop, and then you can take this away and do it at more length. Why don't you just stand together? And if you've got a copy of the five R's in front of you, either on the, that sheet or in the other book, as I said to you, if you want to take one of these away and go, into, go more into depth with it, well, we'll just hand these out at the end, if that's okay. Can you just stick them at the back somewhere or just get them out somewhere? And let's just do this. And I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. So, Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for the gift of repentance. And right now we choose to recognize our sin. 
And we're just going to be quiet for 30 seconds. And if there's anything that comes to mind that you know that you need to bring before God, and don't make it up, but just allow the Holy Spirit to show you. If you've had a pretty good day so far, well, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> That's wonderful. But just allow him. Father, show us what it is you want to put your finger on. We just allow you to show us. And then we just recognize. And by recognizing, we simply say, Lord, I realize that I have done this. This happened today or yesterday or whatever. And it's not good. And I'm sorry. So speak that out in your mind or under your breath. Just engage with God. Just, just, just speak it out. It doesn't have to be long or complicated, but it does have to be real. We accept responsibility for the stuff we've done, God. And we repent of it. We make a conscious decision, Father, to turn around from that stuff, from that attitude, from that issue. We repent of it. We, want it. we don't want to go that way. We're going to go the other way. We want to go your way. So we make a conscious decision to turn from that and repent in the name of Jesus and bring our sin before you. The Bible says that once we've done that, we are forgiven. And so we move on to number three, and we receive your forgiveness, Father. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the empowering and the filling of the Holy Spirit. We receive you. And then we need to basically rebuke the enemy. And we say to you, Satan and your people and your spirits, you've got no, you've got no place here and you, 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 don't, you can't stay. We command you to leave based on the authority that we have because we are in Christ. So you can go in the name of Jesus. And then we embrace the truth. And just allow the Spirit to tell you, to remind you, the truth that, you want to, that he wants you to embrace right now. We take on and embrace and fully embrace the truth of who we are. That we are children of the King. That we are beloved of the Father. That we are precious and loved. That we are forgiven and free. And we acknowledge that truth and we bless you for it and we replace that. And we receive your spirit. We receive your love, we receive your power and your grace. And we rejoice in you. We rejoice in you. You're an amazing God. And we're so grateful that we can follow you. And Holy Spirit, whatever else you want to say, I think for most of us our work is done. For now. Maybe we want to take this away. Maybe we want to go through some stuff more fully because it's really been bugging us. Maybe stuff, this feels so heavy or you just feel trapped and we would love to pray for you. If you you have a sense of being, this is all fine, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just struggling to get there, Nigel, then come down the front in a second and we will pray for you. And it may be that one of the things that you choose to do is follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've never made that choice. You know, it's no mistake that that Father Heart Conference is where it is, in the, right in the middle of this teaching series. We planned it that way because we knew how valuable and vital that message was to what we're learning about now. But maybe the, the way to respond is to book into that and say, yeah, I know I need to make that happen. Book up some childcare, put the date free, and get booked in today. Maybe that's our response.
However, you, however we choose to respond, can I just invite you to do that? I'm just going to pray, and then we've got to stop. We've got to get, get the kids. And But if you're stuck in this, if you feel like something started and you don't feel complete in it, if you feel like you need some help, then we would love to help you. There are people here who would love to pray with you, pray for you, and just help you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your work among us today. Thank you for your work of deliverance and freedom. Thank you, Lord, that we do not have to accept the enemy's work in our lives. We don't have to accept the affliction of someone who's trying to wreck our spiritual life. Instead, we can acknowledge you, your love, the power of the cross, and true freedom as we walk in repentance and we walk in godliness. Thank you for your work here with us today, Holy Spirit. We bless you. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. The guys at the back have just got a little flyer that will give you a bit more information about the um, the five R's. And if you do want us to pray with you, we'd love to do that. We'll be here for a few minutes. Bless you guys. See you soon.